Well, it is the most wonderful time of the year, and uh, let me be uh, the first to remind you, only 10 days left till Christmas. <laughs> okay, let me try again. Only 10 days left till Christmas. <laughs> You're like, big deal, big deal. It is a big deal. It's Christmas. But I'll tell you, can you believe that it's almost Christmas? I mean, this year has flown by. It's like the older I get, the faster these years go. I want to be 10 again when they went slow. When I used to complain because school seemed like it lasted forever. Now it just flies by like that. But uh, anyway, honestly, I hope that you've been enjoying the most wonderful time of the year. There's no doubt, there's no doubt in my once military mind that Christmas, this wonderful time, it's a time for family and friends. It's a time to gather together. Yes, I heard one of, our, uh, one of our men talking about that his Bible study group, they had a Christmas party last night, and uh, I'm sure they ate way too much food last night. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say there was a lot of food at that party. But parties, all the things that come along with Christmas, I pray that you're uh, taking advantage of it, and certainly the happenings that surround Christmas. Uh, I want to remind you that we must never forget it's like I said to our Bible study class, without Jesus, there's no reason to celebrate, right? Without, without Christ, there is no Christmas. It's just, you know, happy holidays, happy holidays, and all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, we uh, began last week in the series that uh, I started, uh, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year. We began last week by asking the question, what is it that really makes Christmas the most wonderful time of year and uh, we were blessed really biblically with all the examples that we looked at I mean we we shared a lot of examples in a short amount of time but all the examples that we looked at and then obviously it was all because of Jesus Christ that one of the things that makes the this the most wonderful time of the year is because it's a time to worship and so remember we talked about last week that our worship it should you know like a lot of people say well man you just don't understand me I can worship Jesus quietly yes you can be still and know that I'm God. Yes, you can. But you cannot praise him without verbally opening up your mouth. And so I ask you the question, how did your worship go today? Was it better than it was last week? I didn't like that song. I didn't like it, whatever, right? It really doesn't matter if I like the song or not. Do you know that there are some songs that I like more than others, right? I like the song, What a Day That Will Be When My Jesus I Shall See. When I look upon his face, the one that saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. What a day, oh what a day that will be. That's one of my favorite songs. It's literally like two lines, right? If you look at it, it's, it's I know, it's in the old-fashioned hymnal. If you look at it, it's like two lines. It's not very long, but I love that song. Because it talks about what a day that will be. And so this morning, I want us to look at another reason why it's such a wonderful time of the year. And uh, I just think, look with me in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at a couple of things here this morning. I just think that it's a wonderful time of year because it's a time to make Him known. It's a time to make Him, and when I say Him, I mean Jesus Christ known. And so look at me, look with me, excuse me, in Luke chapter 2, and today I would just want us to begin reading in verse number 8. Verse number 8 and following. And notice what the Bible says. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, 
And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. And you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. Remember last week we talked about the army of angels that descend. And notice it says that they start praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your house. Lord, I pray that as only you can do, that you'll bless our time in your word. That you'll open up the eyes of our understanding. Lord, I do pray that if there's someone here today that has never trusted Christ, someone that is searching and seeking uh, to know more about you, that today that you will open up their eyes and open up their heart, that they might trust Christ as their Lord and Savior today. God, I pray that you'll bless us, bless our time in your word. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, because you are my strength and my redeemer. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you. In the precious name of Jesus and for his sake, all of God's people said, amen and amen. If you look back in our text, here's where we read about this unbelievable appearance of the angels, right, to the shepherds. And in the eyes of many, an angel would have never visited a shepherd, right? Uh, shepherds were not known for worshiping and praising God. And so a lot of people say, well, well first of all, the story is debunked right away. I don't believe it because an angel would never visit somebody who never worships God, who never praises God. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what about us? Right? We're all ungodly sinners the same. But here we find the story of the angel visiting these shepherds. And, and to be honest with you, a shepherd would have had their, their reputation. By the way, everybody has a rap sheet. Whether you believe it or not, you have a rap sheet. And everybody is watching your life. And they figure out a lot about you by what you think, what you say, and what you do. And so for shepherds, their reputation was basically base at best. And when I say base, I mean shepherds, many of them, if you do a study on them, they were dishonest. They were corrupt. And so they were, they were not thought of well, especially by the religious crowd of that day. And so what we find is that unlike the wise men, right, who came from afar a couple of years later, we're guessing, uh, these guys are poor, and most of the shepherds were uneducated. And in verse 8, we find that they're out in the field, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So just like David did, remember David, the Bible says at the beginning and at the end of his life that he was a man after God's own heart. Was David a sinner? Yes. Did David have problems? Absolutely. But he was a man after God's own heart. And so just like David had done many centuries ago, these shepherds are out in the field and they're protecting their flock. And so as Jewish men, though, there's no doubt that they would have heard about the Messianic prophecies concerning Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And perhaps, even though they had a rap sheet of never worshiping, never praising God, 
maybe they one day thought, maybe we'll see the Messiah. Maybe we'll live long enough to see Jesus. We don't know. But the irony of the story that we just read is that a group of shepherds, ones who were despised by the so-called religious crowd of their day, were the very first ones to physically see Jesus. How amazing is that? After Jesus is born, they're the first ones to be invited to see Jesus. You remember the same Jesus who John would later declare, right? He would say, behold the Lamb of God, right? The Lamb of God, the one which taketh away the sins of the world. I think about that. How amazing is it that these lowly shepherds are the first ones to visit Jesus? I was thinking the other day of that song uh, that we sing, and usually, I think it's either in the front or the back cover of your hymn book that's even, that's even there in the pew back. It's called At Calvary. And the first two lines of At Calvary say this, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. On that night of nights, it was the shepherds who actually got to see Jesus first. And so look with me briefly. I want you to see a couple of things and then uh, we'll wrap it up. But look in verse number 10 and 11. I want you to see the message of Christmas. If you're a note taker, first of all, the message of Christmas. Because immediately we see it. It says in verse number 10 that the angel said unto them, Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So let me give you my paraphrase of what the angel is actually saying. The angel is saying, hey guys, don't be afraid. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Did you see it? The angels are saying, hey, it's the most wonderful time of year. Did you see it? It's right there. It's right there. Look back at the text in verse number 10. See, because the angel says, I bring you good tidings. And that phrase, good tidings, in the Greek actually translates into one word, which means to announce good news. It's often translated in the New Testament as the gospel. And so in my humble estimation, when the angel says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, they're saying, hey, it's the most wonderful time of the year because I got some good news for you. Jesus Christ, the one who has come to redeem you of your sins, has been born. I don't know about you. That makes me think it was the most wonderful time of the year. Listen, Jesus Christ was born so that he could die on an old rugged cross for my sins and for your sins. In fact, you remember what the Apostle Paul said at the end of, uh, as he's writing a letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verses number 3 and 4, he teaches us how that Jesus died for our sins, how that he was buried, how that he rose again three days later according to the scripture. And then it says that he's, he, he, basically he's conquering death, he's conquering the grave, he's conquering hell. And the reason that Jesus did all of these things is so that I and so that you would never have to experience that. How amazing is that? The message of Christmas is that Jesus was born to die for you. We cannot separate. Here's the thing. You can go out and you can go shopping today. You can go take a nap on the couch today. You can get, watch, as we were joking last week, and watch football all day today. But you cannot separate the message of Christmas from the message of the cross. It just doesn't separate. In 1 Timothy 1, in verse number 15, the Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy and he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, came into the world to save sinners. 
Listen, without Jesus Christ, there is no Christmas. Remember, Jesus himself actually told Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He tells Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, he says, listen, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the message of Christmas. Another quick thought from verse number 10. Look back at verse number 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, but I want you to focus on the last two words, which shall be to who? So the message is for who? See, the Christmas message isn't just a message for a few people. It's not just a message for some people or many people. It's a, the good news, the good tidings of great joy is for all people. And whenever we start to think that it's only for a select few, what that does is that causes us to only share it with the select few. We must share the good news with all the world. Listen, and let God take care of the rest, right? I always tell people, do what I can do and let God take care of the rest. Look at verse number 11, and I want you to play along with me. And I gave the guys a slide. I want us to read verse number 11 together, but when we do so, I want you to insert your name as we do it, all right? But I want you to verbally, with your voices, read verse number 11, just like we're in a classroom, right? It's like, everybody, all the students ready, right? For unto Greg Corcoran is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Did you put your name in there? Did you put your name in there? Isn't that amazing? For unto Greg Corcoran is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It's as if the angel would have said to the shepherds, for unto you, shepherd number one, shepherd number two, and how many ever there were, Christ is born in the city of David. The Savior is born for you folks. The message of Christmas is that God saw you and I. He saw us just as we are, lost and undone. He loved us anyway, which is amazing in and of itself. You know, I run up across people sometimes that are just hard to love. Have you ever met anybody that's just hard to love? You're like, you're like man, I, 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 I work with this guy. I work with this girl, man. I, I, I really want to love them, but they just make it really hard. They're always looking at me with a bad look. They're always talking about me behind my back. They're always trying to take me down. Just love them anyway. Can you imagine what Jesus thought when he was on the cross? Now, he's all God, but he's all man. When he's on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Just love people. Because they don't know what they do. Many times they don't know what they are doing. Listen, God saw us just as we are. He loved us anyway. And he sent his son into this sin-cursed world to die specifically for us. That's an incredible message. What a gift. The gift of eternal life. The gift of forgiveness of sin. The gift of knowing that this earthly life, my friends, is the worst that you and I will ever have it for a believer. Like you say, well, I got a lot. I got a boat. I got a house. I got a motorcycle. I got all, I got all kind of cars. I got all kind of money. I got all kind of jewels. Do you know that's the worst you'll ever have it? So if you're blessed in that regard today, congratulations. It's still the worst that you'll ever have it. 
oh, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. The message of Christmas reminds me that it's truly the most wonderful time of the year. But the message of Christmas, I know this is going to, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's the most wonderful time of year, yeah. But the message of Christmas also reminds me that it requires or demands a response. The message of Christmas demands a response because look, look in our text again. I want you to see it. The angel said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. In John's gospel, John says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Have you ever received a gift? Anybody ever received a gift here? How many, let's do this, because I like polls. I'm going to put out a Battlefield Baptist Church poll. How many people actually like receiving gifts? How many people are liars that just don't want to raise their hand? <laughs> I will not raise my hand. That guy's asking too many questions of me today, and I just will not be moved. Get over it. <laughs> Life's too short, man. You better enjoy the trip. That's what my, that's what my pastor always said. Enjoy the trip because this train's moving on. Oh, I'll get some of you old timers excited talking like that. Oh, he was talking like you, Pastor Skinner. And he got this voice and it was going hard. We got to get excited about something, folks. And if I have to talk like that to get you excited, I'll just do it. Oh, my gosh. The Bible tells us, this is amazing to me. The Bible tells us that these guys who don't worship God, who don't praise God, are visited by an angel. The angel says, hey, fear not. I'm bringing you some good news. But my Bible also says that these guys who don't worship God, these guys who don't praise God, they immediately responded. That's why I say, don't limit, don't limit the message of Christmas just for a select few or some or many. Share the message of Christmas with everyone because you never know who's going to respond. In verse number 15, look at the words. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, look what they said, let us now go on even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And in verse number 16, God's word tells us that they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe in a manger. The message of Christmas was believed and the message of Christmas by faith was put into action. They left their flocks and they came to see the baby Jesus for themselves. I want to encourage you to leave your flocks and come see the baby Jesus for yourself. You cannot rely on your father's faith or your grandfather's faith or great-grandmother's faith. You must have your own faith. I get tired of these people. Well, I'm a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? Because my grandpa went to the Christian church. That doesn't make you a Christian more than it makes me a spotted trout. And I don't swim very good, so I know I'm not a trout. Oh yes, there's the message of Christmas. But as we start to wrap this thing up, I want you to know there's the mission of Christmas. 
You see, because the shepherds, these guys who don't worship God, these guys who don't even praise God, these guys who have a rap sheet for being dishonest and corrupt, as soon as the angel says Jesus is born, they say, hold on, we got to go check this out. Look at verse 17 and 18, because here's the mission. In verse 17 and 18, the Bible says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Listen, the mission of Christmas is right here in verse number 17. I was sharing it with Krista earlier. I don't know if it was last week. I had already started telling her what the mission of Christmas was. She's like, you just preached a different message. What are you talking about the mission of Christmas? Verse 17, look, it says they made known abroad. But what's interesting to me is look at verse 17, but then go back to verse number 15. Because the word known is also found there. See, the word known in verse 15, it says, Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known. See, the Lord makes it known to us, and then the mission becomes our job to go and make it known to somebody else. It's, a, it's, it's like I did, it's right there. Two, three verses. The mission of Christmas. We have the message and then the mission of Christmas. Look back. They said, let us now go. Let's go make this thing known. This thing that the Lord has made known to us. Listen, the angel of the Lord made known the message of Christmas to them. And after they saw, after they realized that the promised Messiah was a real thing, it was true, it was fact, it was not fiction, it wasn't just some old story from a bunch of prophets, they realized that it had come to fruition. They said, you know what, we got to go make that known as well we got to go tell somebody. I can only imagine their excitement as they shared everything that they had heard and that they had seen, as the Bible says. When you think about it, remember the shepherds would have been at the bottom of the so-called social ladder, the social uh, scale in Israel, and yet they're the first ones to receive the message of Christmas, and they're the first ones to take up the mission of Christmas. How quickly the good tidings of great joy began to circulate. You know, the only thing that passes or, 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 uh, or uh, moves quicker than uh, bad news is good news, right? Like you hear bad news all the time. Everybody's willing to share bad news. How about we share some good news for a change? The angel visits with Zacharias, Elizabeth's pregnancy, and then John's birth. How amazing is that? The miracle's declaration. All these stories, this declaration to Mary that she was going to have a son and he was going to be wonderful and he was going to be great. And then the message to Joseph, yeah, you're going to have a son. Uh, it's going to be God's son and you're going to call him Jesus, right? On and on, the stories, the miraculous birth of Jesus, the angel's message to the shepherds. They would have shared it all. Because guess what? I'm guessing that when they get to the manger, when they get to that old stable down the road, so to speak, as the song declares, I'm guessing that they just didn't stay in there. Remember last week I gave the illustration, if Trevor plays a good basketball game and I wanted to praise him, I wouldn't just stand there and look at Trevor? I'm guessing that when they get to the stable and they see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I'm guessing that they just didn't go, well, hmm, yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure that wasn't their response. I'm guessing they were overwhelmed by what they had seen and by what they had heard. Folks, as believers, our mission today is to make him known. The message and mission of Christmas have never, ever changed. In fact, 
Jesus said in Mark's gospel, Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's been said that the gospel is self-propagating. Wherever it makes a convert, it makes a preacher. In Psalm 89.1, the psalmist declares, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, and with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. In Psalm 105, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Folks, as Christ followers, we cannot assume that somebody else is going to make him known. We cannot assume that somebody else will come along and make him known. In fact, if we're going to assume something, the assumption should be that if I don't tell you about Jesus, nobody will. That's the assumption that we should have. By the way, remember it's been said that the good news is only good if it gets there in time. It's not very good if it never gets there. Good news is meant to be shared with others, not stored up for ourselves. I was reading earlier this week, and I was reading the story of John Harper. Many of you may not know John Harper. John Harper was one of the passengers on the Titanic. He was a young pastor from Scotland. And as the story goes, Harper had recently spent three months ministering at uh, Dwight Moody's church in Chicago during which time the church had experienced one of the most wonderful revivals in its history. He had not been back in Britain long when he was asked to return to the United States and to continue his ministry. He quickly made arrangements for himself and his six-year-old daughter, Nana, to actually make the trip with him. He was scheduled to travel on the Lusitania. But he delayed his travel, he and some family members, his daughter and some extended family members, they delayed their travel by one week so that they could all sail on the brand new ship, a Titanic, which was about to make its maiden voyage. As you know the story on Sunday uh, the 14th of April in 1912, the day when the iceberg was struck, the weather was fine, the sea was calm. Harper had attended the church service for the passengers. His niece actually reported later that afternoon that she saw her uncle individually talking to people about their souls. It seems that he was in the habit of seeking out lost sheep wherever he went. The Titanic struck the iceberg at exactly 11.40 p.m. on April the 14th, 1912. And as the call was issued for the passengers to vacate their, pa their cabins, Harper wrapped his daughter in a blanket and told her that, he would, that he, she would see him again one day and passed her to one of the crewmen. After watching her safely board one of the lifeboats, he removed his jacket and gave it to one of the other passengers. One survivor distinctly remembered hearing him shout out, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. Harper knew that believers were ready to die, but the unsaved were not. He ran along the decks pleading with people to turn to Christ, and with the ship sinking, he called upon the Titanic's orchestra, which many of you have seen in the movie depicting the tragedy. He, saw, he, he called on the orchestra to play, Nearer my God to Thee. Gathering people around him on the deck, he knelt down, and with holy joy in his face, it was said that he raised his arms in prayer. As the ship began to lurch, he jumped into the icy waters and swam frantically to all that he could reach, beseeching them to turn to the Lord. 
be saved. Finally, as hypothermia sat in, John Harper sank beneath the murky waters of the Atlantic Ocean and passed into the Lord's presence. He was 39 years old. Four years later, at a survivor's meeting in Hamilton, Canada, a young Scotsman by the name of Aguilla Webb stood up and gave the following testimony. He said, I'm a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on a spar, and if you don't know what a spar is, it's one of the masks that you see behind. He says, when I was drifting alone on a spar that awful night, the tide brought Mr. John Harper of Glasgow, also on a piece of wreck near me. He said, man, are you saved? And he said, no, I said, I am not. He replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The waves bore him away. But strange to say, the waves brought him back a little later. And he asked, are you saved now? And he said, no, sir, I cannot honestly say that I am. And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And shortly thereafter, I watched him as he went down beneath the water. And there, alone in the night, and with two miles of water under me, I believed. I believed. And then he said these words. He said, I am John Harper's last convert. Just like it was with John Harper, and just like it was with these shepherds that we read about, these shepherds who didn't worship God, these shepherds who didn't praise God, we find in Scripture over and over and over again that time is of the essence. And I can assure you that when it comes to making him known, not only the mission of Christ, message of Christmas, but the mission of Christmas, when it comes to making him known, God's timing is now. When God tells us something, we should listen intently. But many times we close our ears. The Bible says in Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time was come, at that moment, the exact moment that was preordained, pre-prescribed, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law. Notice, why did He do it? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of Son, that we might be welcomed into God's family. In our text this morning, in verse number 11, the angel proclaimed, For unto you is born this day, now. In the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. As believers, when God tells us something, we should respond immediately. If you notice, and you haven't already noticed from our text today, in verse number 15, the shepherds said, Let us now go to Bethlehem. In verse 16, they came with haste, now. Verse 17, and when they had seen it, Jesus Christ, they made known immediately abroad. It didn't say they went back to check on their flocks. They immediately went abroad sharing all that they had seen and all that they had heard. There was no hesitation. They made him known now. They could not contain their excitement. 
And I ask a difficult question. What about us? It's the most wonderful time of year. And if you're here today and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, if you're a believer, your response and my response to the message of Christmas should be to tell everyone we can about God's love. We need to remind people that at the very first Christmas, love came down to man. God with us, Emmanuel. But if you're here and you're listening, if you're listening online, and you'd be honest with yourself and you say, you know what? I've never trusted Christ. I've heard a lot about God. I've been relying on family members. I've been doing all this. But I've never asked the Lord to forgive me personally. I want you to know that God's word also reminds us in this instance about the priority of now. In fact, in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth in chapter number 6 and verse number 2, he writes these words, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you'll honestly seek him like those shepherds did long, long ago, you'll quickly discover that what God promised is still true today. Oh, my friends, don't let the opportunity of right now pass. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, I want to beg you, I want to beg you, recommit yourself. Recommit yourself to the message and the mission of Christmas. If you're here and you're not saved, don't miss the opportunity. Because the opportunity is right now to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and just like John Hopper, Harper on the Titanic said, Thou shall be saved. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year because it's a time to make Him known in our lives and in the lives of others. And so I urge you to respond right now. Trust Him as your Savior now. Recommit yourself to making him known now, not tomorrow. See, that's what we do. We say, you know what, I'll do that tomorrow. I, that's a, you know, that, 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 that message made a little sense. I, I'll, I'll make a decision about that tomorrow. That's the devil's answer. Always tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Our Lord's answer is, do it now. Do it now. And I pray that you will. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that right now in the quietness of this moment, if there's somebody here, somebody listening that's never trusted Christ, that they would simply understand your love and the fact that you love them so much that you willingly sent your son to die on a cross for their sins. God, I pray that they would understand one verse, one verse that my youngest son says pretty much says it all. And that's Romans 10 and verse number 13, where the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so maybe there's somebody here this morning sitting here that's heard a lot about Jesus who's celebrated Christmas for many years or a few years, it doesn't matter. But they've never called out upon Jesus for forgiveness and for salvation. So if that's you here this morning or that's you listening, I pray that you would simply just pray a prayer like this and understand that it's not about some kind of uh, uh, specific words or some kind of uh, 
uh, spiritual mojo that I'm trying to coax you into. It's about the desire of your heart that you would ask the Lord to forgive you. But I know that if you'll pray and ask, He will hear and answer. And so maybe your prayer would be something simple, something like, Lord, I realize, I realize that I've never done this before, but I realize I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me. I need you to come into my heart. I need you to change me from the inside out. I need you to begin a new work in my life. I've been trying to do it, do things according to my way, and Lord, help me to do things your way. God, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for caring enough about me to die in my place. Help me to live for you. And I'll give you the praise for it. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.